Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Andrew Doyle and I am joined by Headliners Virgin, Trevor Locke. And a man who is definitely not a virgin, Mr. Loverman himself. It's Nick Dixon. You're looking very suave, as, as, as is appropriate for a uh, flanner and lover. Absolutely. And mm. it's good to be back. Can I just say... Well, you've I've been ill. Been, I've been ill and everyone's been asking about me and I appreciate all the... Not all everyone. The love. But... On, <laughs> people on Twitter, no one here cared about me, but... Um, and the thing is, the great thing is, Andrew, the, the main point to remember is I was ill. I don't know if it was COVID or flu, but I haven't had any vaccinations or it could have been much, much worse. That's the key oh, point. Yes, the, you'll, you'll, Trevor, you'll understand that this is a theme when it comes to Nick. Uh, yes. How are you, though? I'm very well. I'm fighting fit. I also um, am pure. You're pure? Yes, I'm pure. Yes. Well, but we, I have pure bloods tonight. I've, 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 I've had it, so I've got the natural... Uh, You've got the natural immunity. Natural we only invite the pure and willpower people. as well. Let's move on to look at the front covers tomorrow, and we're going to start... Uh, with the Daily Mail, which leads with uh, Javid, tell public the truth about anti-Tory pact. The Labour and the Liberal Democrats must come clean over whether they have an electoral pact. Sounds rather sinister. Saturday's Telegraph now has Tory rebels plot next move to unseat PM. That is, of course, inevitably uh, in the wake of the by-election defeat. Moving on to Saturday's Independent now, and they lead with, uh, has, has Johnson in peril? As Tories warn, mood has shifted. And also a story there about Roe versus Wade. Seismic ruling strips women of abortion wall. And now we're moving on to Saturday's Guardian, which has Tory grandees tell Johnson after historic defeat, just go. This is very much a theme of the uh, front covers tomorrow. Moving on now to the FT. And we have uh, top US court scraps Roe versus Wade in heavy blow to abortion rights. And I'm sure we'll be getting onto that story as well. Uh, let's move on now to the mirror. And they lead with, go now. Just a very direct call for Boris to, to leave. They say Boris gets battered uh, after the election defeats. And then we move on to Saturday's Times. Uh, and that's PM faces new Tory threat. Rebels plan takeover of key backbench committee after disastrous by-election results. Saturday's Sun has Katie's jailbreak. She dodges prison, apparently. Uh, and now moving finally on to the Daily Star, which has health warning over builders burnt bums. That'll cost you. I have no idea what that's about and I have no desire to do so. Let's move on. Those are your front covers. So I think there's no surprise in our top story, the reversal of Roe versus Wade. And who better to discuss it? and three middle-aged men. Nick, I mean, you, you, you know about wombs and, and reproduction and all the rest of it. Firstly, I'm shocked you've said middle-aged. I consider myself young. Secondly, <laughs> you're dressed like a Republican senator who's just banned abortion. That was the, that was the look I was going for. I think I pull it off. It's great. I love yeah, it. I'm loving yeah. this new Republican Andrew Doyle. <laughs> yeah, so the mail's gone with Joe Biden blasts on American Supreme Court anti-abortion ruling. It's actually an incredibly American ruling. I'm going to explain why. So there's the... There's obviously the emotive issue of abortion, but before that, there's actually the legal issue. We have to remember, there's, abort there's been no right to abortion in America for 185 years. Yep. 
until 1973 when we had Roe versus Wade, which was this sort of slightly dodgy law that took from five different amendments bits and pieces and tried to craft this argument that you should have the right to an abortion, even though that's not in the Constitution. And it relied on this idea of a, a right to privacy, which is also not in the Constitution. So it's this incredibly sketchy law that there's always been pressure on because it's a weak law. So if you were a legal scholar and a kind of dispassionate fan of law, you might be against this law even if you were pro-abortion because it's so bad. Not very likely. But, uh, but, but ultimately, though, aren't we talking about women, women's rights here? Well, if you let, I'll get to that. What all this law has done... We're going to have a disquisition from you, Well, I'm going to end it now, but all, all it's done is actually give power back to the states. So we, we might be talking about women's rights, but initially we're just talking about this has given power back to the states rather than at the federal level, and now the debate will rage because it'll be up to individual states to decide what they want to do. And 13 states have already triggered these so-called trigger laws where they're going to make stricter pro-life laws. Obviously, people like states like New York will probably want to get rid of babies up until they're born or whatever. I'm neutral on the topic as you can tell, but, but yeah, we are talking about that, Andrew, obviously, but we're talking about here giving power back to the states and away from the federal, the federal level. And that was what was the norm for hundreds of years okay, in America. So well, Trevor, I'm going to bring you in here. So, I mean, this idea that, you know, it's a, a potentially a positive thing to give power back to the states, but isn't there such a thing as human rights that transcends this kind of thing? That they, no, that... there isn't. No, there's no such thing as human rights. They're, they're, they sound nice, but, the, but no one's ever seen one in the wild. But we know what we mean when we say human rights. Um, sort of, but we don't really. That's why we have to write them down and argue about them and get frightened about them. And you don't think, you, do you not think that women have the right to autonomy over their own bodies? I do, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this, I mean, this has been used as, as to excite people that women have lost that. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, personally, I'm a big fan of uh, Ruth, um, uh, Bader Ginsburg. Yes. Um, the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, daughter of Douglas Bader, the World War II uh, pilot and beat poet Allen Ginsburg. She uh, was pro-abortion, as am I, but she also had problems with the Road versus uh, Wade decision. She knew that it wasn't constitutional. So, so it's, it feels like we're coming back to this issue of what is constitutional and what is not constitutional. Well, yes, and but basically now pro-choice. Every state... The smaller polities get to choose their laws. Oh, and so that's only a good thing, isn't it? The smaller the groups of people that vote for and choose their own rules, that's more democratic. OK, but it's we know we know that the majority of the country are not in support of the Supreme Court's position on this. So if we're talking about democracy, it feels a little bit flimsy. And similarly, what How about... How do you know that? What, because they have been polling. And, and what do we do with the... If you're a, a young woman who requires... You in a, terms of pure numbers because the population is higher in places I think like it's New 60, York? I think it's 65% are against the ruling. But, I mean, let's, let, let, but let's look at the individual cases. What if you are someone who has to now travel to a whole other state or, or will be potentially criminalised for, for something that is considered among feminists and women to be an integral aspect of their rights? Well, it's considered by some. I mean, that's not always been a position. I mean, even people on the left, like Christopher Hitchens, was pro-life and more or less ridiculed the idea that it was the, the woman's body. But I digress. Look, it, you, there are many choices you still have. I mean, some pro-life advocates would say you have four choices. You have chastity, you have abortion, you have uh, contraception, you have motherhood. So it's not like you're without choices. And you can, there's also many states where you'll still be able to do it. So, and to answer your earlier question about human rights, what they do, what the, the Supreme Court does in these cases, 
if, if there's nothing specifically in the Constitution, they look at the first eight amendments to see if there's anything in there. And if there's not, they look at the general history and culture of the country and they decide, is there anything in that history that suggests abortion should be uh, right? And that's never been the case in America, which is one reason they've, they've ruled this. Do we not think, though, Trevor, that, you know, if we do criminalise, well, as they are, uh, criminalising abortion in certain states, mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not actually going to stop abortions occurring. People are just going to do it illegally. Well, hopefully they won't do it illegally. Hopefully they'll be able to get it done properly, safely and legally. Um, but what about in a state like Texas, where that's very unlikely? Well, then they'll have to go to uh, a state not too far away, maybe California. Texas is huge. It's yeah. like the size of France and Germany put together. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, that's not within everyone's means, is it? That is bad for, the, for those people. That it, it is a bad thing. If you want an abortion in Texas now, right. that is a bad thing. But, yeah. but you live in Texas, and this is what's happening in America. It's becoming more and more... The division was already there, but it's becoming more and more explicit. So California had horrific rules about COVID and very high taxes. If you don't want to live in communist California, you move to Texas and Florida. At least they have the option. And, you know, that's just the way the country is now. Saturday's Guardian next, and Boris Johnson with a surprising level of self-awareness. Trevor. Uh, yes. Well, so... Uh, what the headline is, Boris Johnson admits by-election defeats, not brilliant, <laughs> and people have called for his resignation. Um, I imagine if you voted for Boris Johnson, you voted for a Conservative Prime Minister. Sure. He hasn't been a Conservative Prime Minister. OK, he, he got a, a sort of Brexit done, but since then he's, he's not really behaved like a Conservative Prime Minister. He's, he's done a very good job of leading the Labour Party, perhaps, but... Um, you're probably disappointed in him as a Conservative Prime Minister. So it, that's what is your about. view that he should perhaps not underplay it in this way by saying, well, it's not brilliant, and actually probably just uh, take the plunge and resign at this point? Well, I, I don't know about that. What I do like, so what he said here, he said, um, he, he, he said, look, uh, people are finding it tough. They send messages to politicians. We've got to respond. And he said that from uh, Kigali. Yes. And I think that's great that, you know, he's, he's really piloting his own um, asylum uh, seekers solution by sending himself Oh, that, I mean, that, it's, it's innovative, isn't it? Yeah. So I think, you know, at least he's eating a little bit of humble pie. He's piloting that scheme on his own. Um, so he's, he's, he's admitting that he's made a mistake and he's punishing himself. Isn't it um, interesting, though, that he's saying, you know, he's saying, you know, we've got to... They're sending us a message, uh, so let's just ignore it. <laughs> is that not what he's doing, Nick? I don't know if he's saying that exactly. Well, the question is figuring out the message. There's, there's, there's a couple of questions here. One, is this a win for Labour or is it just a loss for the Tories, if, you can, if that makes sense? And two, what is the message they're sending? Is it around Partygate? For some people it will be. Or is it more around cost of living, inflation, high taxes? Or is it all of it? Because there's quite a lot to go on. I mean, like Trevor's hinting at, I think if Boris Johnson had actually been more conservative, he'd be on firmer ground with, with things like Partygate. I found it interesting Lord Frost was, was tweeting about it. Some people disputed his figures. But he said in Tiverton, the Tory vote went from 43% to just under 20%. Nearly 20,000 Tory voters stayed home. And, yeah. uh, and, the, and the Lib and Lab vote, Liberal Democrats and Labour, only went, only went from 25 to 29%. And in Wakefield, it actually went down from 28 to 20%. But the Tories went down even more from 30% to 12%. So the question is, you know, is it really a win for Labour? It feels like, it's, to me, it's not. It's just people saying... Well, it depends. Of... I mean, in, in, in Honiton, you had Labour voters tactically voting Lib Dem because the Labour vote dropped massively. And that suggests that Labour voters are now interested in those sort of tactical votes. In Wakefield, however, it did swing to Labour. It was a significant swing, I think. Yeah. If that were to be replicated across the Red Wall... Uh, John, Johnson might be able to recover... Uh, the Keir Starmer might be able to recover it. Yes, he might be able to. It depends if they replace Johnson with. Yes, it very much does. And, or maybe we will find out that Johnson replaces Keir Starmer after the next election. Well, I mean... <laughs>
you know, don't you think though that Labour, if they just had someone with a bit more energy, someone with a bit more charm, they didn't have a pudding as their leader. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm going to suggest. Yeah, yeah. Or someone who knew what a woman was. Or with that would be that would be a big. Like the working class, because apparently women have the vote as well, and they don't like being told that the well, person they voted for doesn't know. That's what they, the next story. We're getting rid of the women women's vote. Well, let's let's <laughs> let, let's actually move on. That's your dream, isn't it, Nick? This is a related story. Uh, one Conservative candidate had a rather novel method of dealing with the election results. Nick, do you want to tell us what oh, happened? Oh, yeah, I didn't know we were going to do this as a discreet story, but I am happy to. This was fascinating. Yeah, um, this was uh, Helen Herford who who hid in a, uh, I believe it was a dance hall. She sort of locked herself in a dance studio to avoid the result. I had quite a lot of sympathy for her. I mean, she was getting attacked on Twitter. It's obviously quite funny, but who hasn't done a gig as a comedian? Obviously, I've smashed 99% of my gigs, but who hasn't done a gig where it's gone so badly you've wanted to just hide and not even walk through the room that you've just performed in? I mean, I, no, it hasn't happened to me, uh, but I can understand, I can empathize. I saw it happen to you and I thought, yeah. God, I wouldn't want that to happen happened to me. Happened once. Just, and, um, horrible. So you can, you can imagine why she didn't want to, you know, face, face the music. And also, if this was a Labour MP, we'd probably have to be hearing about their mental health and how it's a terrible attack on their mental health. But everyone's just been having a pop-up because it's a Tory. So I sympathise, but it is obviously quite funny and, and like something out of the thick you, of it. Do you feel for her, Trevor? Of course I feel for her. And it's, you know, fair enough. All the pressure was on her. It was down to her. The spotlight was on her. She didn't win. She did a Hillary. She did a Hillary. She did a Hillary. And who could... What, got drunk well, alone in a... No, did she get drunk? Well, what, what people well, allegedly don't remember people about... Uh, when Hillary <coughs> lost the election to Donald Trump, um, she actually locked herself in a dance studio in, in North Devon. Did she? Yes, that's why she didn't it's... come out until, until the next day. Yeah, feels very much like a Metaphorically, QAnon Hillary conspiracy still there. locked in that room. Let's move on now to Saturday's <laughs> Independent. And uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a competent and cognitively sound leader of the free world. Isn't that right, Nick? <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to endorse... Is that satirical that content? Yeah, so this is... Um, Biden accidentally reveals embarrassing cheat notes to himself. I don't know if we have, a, have the picture of it, but what it is, it's a series of notes to Biden... Let's have a look. ..from Biden or his staff. Here we go. And it says things like, say hello, sit down, ruin America. It's stuff like... <laughs> uh, no, it's actually... It says you... My favourite one is, you take your seat. So all the yous are emphasised, so he knows the person doing the thing is him. And there's a great bit that says, Liz is joining virtually, so he doesn't try and sort of speak to the person in the room who isn't okay. there. Hang on a minute, though. We can't say that this is evidence of cognitive decline. I mean, look, because when you go to these ceremonies, there's lots of things to remember. You know, I'm a Catholic, and I often forget when I'm meant to stand up and sit down in church. I'd love to have a cheat sheet. Yeah. Did, did, would you need a seat? Would you need a seat? Sorry, saying you take your seat tonight, Andrew. Would you accidentally sit in Trevor's seat? By well, I don't know. If I've had a bit too much of the communion wine, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Trevor? Andrew has asked you a question. <laughs> Nick is sitting next to you. You must say something funny now. Joe Biden... Joe, Joe Biden <laughs> is a competent leader of the US and he definitely won the election fairly. You see, it works. It works and everyone's a winner. I, you know, do you know one what this the, reminds me of, though? apparently was sniff a child's hair as well. I just... Absolutely not. Nick, you know what? I know you're uh, a big Trump fan, and uh, a lot of people, though, at the time, were casting aspersions about Trump's cognitive abilities and, and doing this sort of armchair psychological reading, saying the man is mad, right? How is that any different from us sitting here and saying uh, he's a dodger, Joe Biden's a doddery old fool who shouldn't be I, in the I'll the give White you the crucial difference. Trump wasn't in decline mentally. Biden is. And that's the crucial difference. But that's just your opinion. No, no, no. Your, your armchair psychology. That's the opinion of Trump's doctor and 
I don't know what Biden's doctor said, but presumably he said, he's, come on, it's so obvious. Trump's super sharp. He's super on it. He's hilarious. Sharp. Biden, come on. He I is hilarious. He, I'll, I'll you grant you that. You're he's not hilarious. seriously telling me that Biden is sharper than Trump or is super oh, It's absolutely terrifying what is happening with Joe Biden. I cannot believe that it has lasted this long. I can't believe that we're really joking about it. This is the president of the United States. He really is doing that role. I mean, he's obviously not taking any decisions, but we're just making jokes about it. We, this yeah. is unprecedented. This said, is, no, it's not unprecedented. We've yes, been here before. We, we've had, we've had oh. presidents in cognitive decline before. Oh, well, yeah, but not like this. The, is it, do we even know that he knows that he's the president of the, of the United States? It's not true. He said the most cruel what they're doing to he him. He said the most important word in the American language was fnfff the other day. Come on. Yeah, it's just a word you're not familiar with. It's, <laughs> a, it's a very important word. It's like kafefi. <laughs> anyway, Saturday's Telegraph now, and we've all heard of the ghost of Kiev. Kiev. But how about the goat of Kiev? The what's, the goat, what's the goat of Kiev? Well, it's the original recipe for chicken Kiev. Ah, uh, actually, yes. yes. It was actually made of goat. Yes, it was originally. Yes. And, and then, of course, the French got hold of it and it became... Ruined it, yeah. as they do everything. Exactly. So, so um, yeah, the Telegraph, goat of Kiev triggers Russian booby trap. I've got a problem with that. Do we have to, do we have to genderize the trap? Do we have to call it booby trap? For me, yeah. it's, it's a torso trap. And, and why is it triggered? Well, I'll tell you why it was triggered, because it was called a booby trap. Ah, that makes sense. It's, it's genderising what, what, what unnecessarily. We have no idea how much, it much as I, Much as I love uh, all of this gender talk, what actually happened here with this girl? What happened was, so what happened was, uh, let's find out. 40 <laughs> Russian soldiers were injured when it says here, it says here, a Ukrainian goat set off a booby trap that the Russian soldiers were laying around a hospital and the chaotic movements of the goat triggered the booby trap. I see. And instead of you know, doing the thing that it should have done against the, the Ukrainian soldiers, 40 Russian soldiers were seriously injured. OK, was this a deliberate act on the part of the goat? Yes, but... it was, and I'll tell you why. Go on. <laughs> so, uh, now we all remember, you know, there's all kinds of secret uh, parts of the military in all different countries. Mm -hmm. um, so, I don't know if you remember, in the second world, we probably don't remember this, we've already read about it, pigeons were used in combat they were, by yes. the RAF. Uh, seals are used by the US Navy. Um, US Navy seals actually killed uh, bin Laden. Mm. And, and what we've got here, these goats, people have been saying Germany needs to get involved. Yes. Well, this is how Germany's got involved. Uh, the Nazis did enormous research into uh, training goats to uh, accomplish high... high, high uh, Difficult uh, missions, and these are uber goats. Uber goats. These are German uber goats and that have gone also, in and deliberately done. Nick, there was also the secret test of the men who stare at goats, famously in that yes. John Mosel book. But also, I just like to clarify: when I heard a story, I thought it meant the greatest of all time, the goat. <laughs> yeah, that's what goat actually means. It's an actual goat, though. In a sense, if you're a Ukrainian, he is the greatest of all time because he did this to some Russian soldiers. Fair enough. Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Andrew Doyle, and with me are the wonderful Trevor Locke and Nick Dixon. Why am I not wonderful? Well, you are wonderful, Nick, but I don't like to massage your ego any more than oh. it already has been. So let's get straight back on, on to Saturday's Independent now and Prince Charles's visit to Rwanda. Nick, what happened here? Yes, Prince Charles shares sorrow at suffering slavery cause, but no apology, which is such an independent headline. He's not been bothering <laughs> enough for them. So, yes, he, this, is, this is the Prince of Wales tells Commonwealth Summit in Rwanda he's been on a personal journey of discovery, but the royals still face criticism over historic ties to slavery. I mean, he's, as Charles has said, that the Commonwealth can only reveal, sort of unleash its full potential when we acknowledge the wrongs which have shaped our past. Feels to me like that's virtually all we ever do. I mean, look, 
We are the country that ended slavery. Let's be honest about that. We've talked well, about... Well, it's still going on. Well, there are more slaves alive today than in the 19th century. As Douglas Murray has pointed out, there's 40 million slaves alive now. And no one really talks about that. We're desperate to talk about our historical terrible things we did rather than modern day slavery. So I would point that out. Also, if anyone should defend and celebrate our country and our values and our achievements like getting rid of slavery, surely it's the royal family. Do they have to do this endless lefty hand-wringing? That's what the Guardian... And okay, so Trevor, is it possible that you should apologise for things that you weren't around for? Is that something you should be doing? I don't think it's something you should be doing. I think it makes sense. It's what people want you to do. Right. Some people like to do the thing that people want them to do. Maybe he's a people pleaser. Maybe he's got codependency issues. I don't know. I'm surprised to learn that he still has slaves. If yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> the, that's the shocking thing about if this. If you're watching this, Charles, please. I know, it's outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. He should apologise. No wonder the independents are angry about it. It is this odd thing, though, isn't it, insofar as, you know, yes, it's undeniably true that the royal family in the past, uh, we go back many, many years, were uh, complicit in some way or other, but so was every wealthy person at the time. I mean, it, it seems odd to pick uh, out... And why do we... And we never hear about other empires, like Douglas Moyer says, when, when, the, the, uh, when, we, when is Turkey going to apologise for the Ottoman Empire? When are those reparations coming? We have to do this endless self-flagellation. Uh, Douglas Murray pointed out quite provocatively over a million people were taken by Moorish pirates. So we never hear about that. It's always, it's just always very Western-centric. It's always very self-loathing. And yeah. I think it's a shame for Prince Charles. And when the am I getting my reparations? Why? For my ancestors? For Ireland. For Ireland. I, want, I want some reparations now, right now. Anyway, difficult subject now to grapple with from the Times, I'm afraid. Sorry, Nick, I have to come to you. This is about assisted dying, not a pleasant topic at all. Well, it's all right. It's a serious show at times. So this is the Church of England vows not to support assisted dying law. When I saw this, I was confused because the Church of England, it sounded like it was doing something vaguely Christian. I was waiting for some sort of twist, like it's set white people who deserve to die. But it's actually the Church of England doing quite a Christian thing. William Nye, the Secretary General of the General Synod, saying that assisted suicide could lead to people being pressurised into mm. ending their lives. And it would also undermine the intrinsic value of every human life. Now, some people have hit back. Baroness Meacher has said that the church is out of touch. And there's also this YouGov poll that says 73% back change on this. But then Nye's countered that, saying that opinion polls are not a valid means to test ethical arguments, which I think is probably correct and perhaps even applies to that abortion story we just mentioned. But that's, the, that's it in a nutshell. Trevor, do you have any particular feelings about where the Church of England should stand on this issue? Well, I, I find it baffling when you consider that the Church of England is a Christian church. Yeah. Founded, Christianity is founded on Jesus, and what Jesus is the original assisted suicide, is he not? He knew... It wasn't suicide. It kind of was. He knew what was coming. He knew it doesn't work. It doesn't work if he didn't sacrifice himself. Yeah, but, but he also knew that he was coming back afterwards. Uh, so well, maybe, did he know he was coming back? I like to think he did. I'd like he to had think a moment. A surprise. He had a yeah. moment where he questioned it. He's, why have you forsaken me? Right, he knew what was happening and he had to know what was happening for, for, for look, it to work. If we, take, to work. if we take this, I mean, if you go to like a Catholic perspective, the, uh, fundamental to Catholic belief is the sanctity of human life. And therefore, there could never be support for euthanasia uh, from, from the Vatican. That could never happen. And that's part of the appeal of the Catholic faith is that it does stick to these traditions. And, uh, you know, there's constant calls for the Church of England to modernise, and the Church generally, and the, and the Catholics, to modernise. Yeah. Uh, surely their whole appeal is that they have staunch values that do not change over time. No, I agree. I, th I, th I think they should go back to Latin. <laughs> I think, you know... Why not? Because uh, I, when I went to Romania, I loved going to the churches because I couldn't understand a word of what they were singing. It makes it more esoteric it and beautiful. Beautiful. Exactly. It is beautiful. Yeah. Because some of those lyrics are pretty shoddy. Yeah. And it's better that you don't hear them and you can imagine that they're magical and interesting. Exactly, exactly. Well, I just yeah. say lol because the Church of England, as you probably know, has gone ultra-woke. It even it got has. rid of our very own Calvin Robinson in this shocking betrayal. 
So yeah, this is a, at least they're standing up for, for this one thing. What I will say is the Catholic Church hasn't gone woke in a way that the Church of England has gone woke. Well, I might convert, Andrew. I'm thinking about it. Interesting. Okay, so one down. On we go to Saturday's <laughs> Telegraph. And what came first, the tortoise or the egg, Trevor? Uh, it was the hare, actually. Oh, yeah. I don't even option number three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, every time. It's always the, the, the... Well, actually, it was the tortoise in the end, wasn't it? The hare got a good head start. I think that's what yeah, happened. Right. What, so, what's this about? Then? Well, the Telegraph has written a misleading headline. Who would have thought? 2,000-year-old uh -huh. tortoise and its egg discovered beneath workshop in Pompeii. The tortoise was not... 2,000 years old. I was going to say, that's astonishing. It is astonishing, <laughs> and it's a lie. The Telegraph have once again lied to us. The tortoise was not... Fake news. Fake news. It wasn't 2,000 years old. I mean, tortoises are long-lived, but not 2,000 years. So, so they can do 200, probably, on a good day. But I don't know. Maybe. I so they found, they found this tortoise preserved beneath the volcanic ash of, of uh, Vesuvius, yeah, yeah. Pompeii. I think we've got a picture of the uh, preserved tortoise. I mean, it doesn't look much like a tortoise. Oh, that's the egg, I think. I think that's the egg. Um, but apparently this, this, this dated after the, you know, there was an earthquake about 10 years before the actual eruption. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a, a, apparently a property where the tortoise could scuttle off and lay its eggs in peace. And they think that this tortoise died in years before the uh, AD 79 eruption. So, you yeah, know, yeah. so it's fascinating. The things, have you been to Pompeii? I have not been to Pompeii. No, but I've nearly been there. I've been to Naples and I've seen that's just some as of good. the things in the museum that they've, they've had. And it's, it is astonishing. It is incredible. Some and of the I was things... hoping to see a tortoise. But they <laughs> didn't have a tortoise, and that, you know that would have made my holiday a much, much more happy experience. The only reason people go to Pompeii is to see the tortoise. Well, it is. You th when you think of ancient Rome, that's one of the things you think of. You, you think do of indeed. tortoises. Well, I mean, what this, what this does suggest is they did have wild animals in Pompeii, which is quite an interesting... You, so you consider a tortoise to be a wild animal rather than a domestic... Well, I mean, have you ever met a tortoise? They can be pretty I fierce. Have, I have met tortoises. They're just yes. slow, and that misleads people into thinking they're gentle. They're not. They're vicious. They're just really slow about it. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. They're like those zombies that can't run. They just sort of shuffle. Yeah. I mean, who and they cares? are used in the military extensively. Tortoises are used in yes. the military. Yes. Saturday's Express next, and more plans are afoot for dealing with the housing crisis. Nick. Oh, yeah. Crackdown on second homeowners as Tories propose Airbnb ban. So it's a controversial one because obviously in places like the lakes where I'm from, you've got this thing where people just rent out homes for a few months of the year. Perhaps not ideal. Some people in the lakes and places like that are not keen on Airbnbs. Why? Why, why would they not be? Well, it's, it's, all, it's all a bit complicated. I mean, it, it, it's like, should... It, it, the problem is, you, you, the, one, what's arguing here is you have communities devoid of life apart from a few months of the year. So this idea that it's unfair to just have a second home, you rent out as an Airbnb, you, you know, you're not really... There. You're not part of the community. Right, right, right. That's one argument. Uh, some people... My mum was saying it's all right if they already have a second home, but then my dad was saying that's unfair because what about... It? Why should you, you, the people just be punished who, who already have one, etc. My take on it is that it's a bit nanny state for the Tories to be banning to be banning it, even though I understand the argument. It's not, it's, again, it's not very conservative, is it? Well, it's not, it's not there, but, you know, if you've got the property, if you own the property, isn't it up to you what you do with your property? And that includes renting it out to people who want a drunken party at a weekend, you know? Is that not it fair enough? It should be in a, in a, in a Trevor? country. It feels like a Labour uh, government's uh, attitude. Um, I, I imagine if you voted Tory, uh, you would be looking for other measures than cracking down on second homes. You might be thinking... Why are there so many people without homes in this country? Is it because hundreds of thousands of people arrive here every year and need to well, be housed? Well, I, I think a lot of people voted for the Tories because they wanted to crack down on Airbnb. I think that's probably... <laughs> should have been in their manifesto, really. On to Saturday's Mail. And, of course, it wouldn't be headliners without an Elon Musk story. What's he up to now, Trevor? Well, so... <laughs> I, robot, eat your heart out. Elon Musk says Tesla's AI humanoid robot, Optimus, that can walk 
at five miles per hour. I don't call that walking, that's a jog. And uh, deadlift, 150 pounds, will be ready in three months. Right. That's the headline. Now, if Elon Musk says something's going to be ready in three months, it's probably going to be ready in about three or five years. Yes. However, the fascinating thing is he's invented... AI robots. He's invented robots. Let's have a look at some of the things he said about robots in the past. He has said, um, if an AI beyond basic bots hasn't been applied to manipulate social media, it won't be long before it is. Um, we could create an immortal dictator from which we would never escape. Oh, my goodness. So now he's I, playing God. I think this explains Joe Biden's malfunctions. I think Joe Biden is a prototype AI Created by Elon Musk. That could be. Mm -hmm. That could explain. But he's not done a very good job then, has he? This is, ter this is terrifying to me. I mean, the, the idea that you can create an, a, a robot that can think for itself, but it can is feel, good. can emote. It's good Why? That, it's, that it's Elon Musk doing it because, remember, he's going to buy Twitter. Ah, yes. And then when you have robots employed at Twitter, things will be a little bit more empathetic. Um, yes, certainly. They can be a little bit more human. They probably wouldn't just censor people they disagree with. Right, exactly. They would wipe them out with their lasers. Yeah. yeah. Can I make a small point? This robot can deadlift 150 pounds. That's nothing. It's about 68 kilograms. I can deadlift 120 kilograms before I got ill. I haven't checked now. It's more like 265 pounds. To give you an idea, this is a pretty weak robot. Now, you're just this... using this as an opportunity to boast about no, your physical prowess. No, because my deadlift's not considered that high, but, but it, it, it is just a lot higher than this robot, so that's all. Yeah, but you know where it'll lead, Nick. You, that's that's what, what it can do now, and then the robots of the future. I know where it's going to As it lead. builds up, as it takes more robot protein, exactly. Yeah, it's going mean... to lead to you and a robot wrestling. <laughs> to the yes. 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 Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, for now, it's to take on dangerous and boring tasks in a factory. It's like, that's how it starts, Elon. I mean, he already <laughs> describes his uh, cars as semi-sentient robots on wheels, which is vaguely terrifying. Exactly. But I'm pro Elon Musk taking over Twitter. I'm against him causing a robot-based apocalypse. Just watch Terminator 2, please, yes. and then just learn. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle, and Trevor Locke, and Nick Dixon. So we're going to crack straight on with Saturday's Mail now, and who better to tell us about this article than the paragon of manliness himself, <laughs> Nick Dixon. That's what they call you. Thank you very much. Yes, society is shying away from manliness and femininity and moving towards gender-neutral society where sex-specific qualities are not valued, writer says. And this is the writer, Joanna Grohovich. And I hope I'm getting that right, because I actually met her last night by Bizarre... Did you? Yeah, and I've worked it out from the story, because I was chatting to her last night about... She writes about people like Shackleton. Yeah, yeah. Of the Antarctic. And, and Oates. Yeah, Captain so, Oates and things. And, and uh, yeah, it's such a rare thing to do. I was thinking when I read that, I was like, hang on, this is the woman I met last night. And it is. She was very cool. So I, I checked out. So it's jo Joanna Grohovich. I hope I'm getting your name right, Joanna. And she's basically, she was making a point to me last night that it's, it's a tough time to be a dead white male explorer, you know, because <laughs> society has sort of moved against that somewhat. So she's saying, you know, there's a danger of Shackleton getting cancelled. And, um, and this is what she's talking about. She's saying that that we're shying away from sort of manliness and femininity. And she said later here that um, you don't have to be overtly muscular to be manly. You just have to be self-confident, be able to hold your space and be able to express your opinions openly. I've got the muscles as well, so it's... it's you've got, you, you've it's got your triple threat. Yeah, exactly. What, what about... But, but can't women have these qualities? I mean, isn't there... I don't know. Why are know. these specifically masculine qualities? I don't know if they are, but if, or if she's saying that. But this is basically, she was at the Chalk Valley History Festival and they've taken what she said and turned it into a story. It's essentially what's happened here. Well, so. no, but she, I mean, she's sort of lamenting this idea that, you know, we, we, 
we did have positive virtues of either sex and now we're moving towards a gender neutral idea. I don't know if that's true, actually. Uh, it's not true. It, 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 well, it is true it is. In, in this world, in the world of the media. Yeah. It's true in the metropolitan elites. Yes, it is true. They want us to think it's happening. Yeah. They want us to believe that we're all born as a blank slate and any qualities that we may acquire, we acquire only from culture. Yeah. Of course, they want that idea to happen. But if you go out of the cities into the shires, a man is still a man. Yeah, they're woman. there beating an anvil. Right, exactly. You know, very masculine out there in the shires. But you admit that there is this push for us to all become one amorphous blob. Yeah, but I think what Trevor's right is that these kind of culture war issues, they never catch on with, with just normal people. A lot of people just don't recognise Well, they can't catch on because, because they're false. This yeah. Is, this is, so yeah, exactly. It's exactly. About, it's, it, they will catch on. They've caught on, if you like. They yes, are among some very people. much fashionable, yeah. but they're making a claim about reality. Yes. And you can make any claim about reality. You can write books about it, but if reality is different to your claim, there's nothing you can do. You yes. can't change reality by writing that reality should be and, different. And, and this author is sort Very of suggesting based. that any kind of, you know, hyper-masculine hero from, you know, we go back to Achilles, if you like, whatever, that these uh, figures will effectively be be, uh, be disapproved of or sort of uh, washed out of the, of, of the curriculum because they are... There's a kind of, what, what, how would you describe it? A toxicity to masculinity, yes. right? Oh, yeah. Shakatung's as toxic as it gets, and that's probably... And that's why they, 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 that's, there's nothing more toxic than being an old dead white male explorer, is there? And that's why it's so great. I struggle to see why that's toxic. Anyway, <laughs> Saturday's oh, no. Times now. Ancient Greece, of course, was the epicenter of so many world changing ideas, philosophy, democracy, epic poetry. What are they up to nowadays? They're up to the same thing that the ancient Greeks were always up to, Andrew. And what's that? Oh, uh, well, so, uh, uh, the Times. Greece steps up security after sex filmed at Parthenon. And who was doing the sex? It was men doing the sex with men. It was men That sounds pretty, pretty Greek to me. It's the most appropriate kind of sex to have at the Parthenon. And not only the Parthenon, it was in the Erechtheum. I don't know if I've said that right, but it looks like erection. Um, if so you squint a bit, if you squint, then the pun works. Yeah, and, and lisp. So they found out that some men went to the Parthenon, had some sex, filmed the sex. Yes. Shouldn't have done. And now what they're going to do, to stop that happening again, if it does happen again, they're going to film it. Well, you know what? The ancient Greeks didn't film their sexual activities, but they did put them on pottery. Yeah, you know, right. so, we, so we have... We saw what they were the getting up the time. to. Exactly. exactly. Yep. This so. one's... I think this is, this is on you, Andrew, and your community. It is. It is completely my community, and I'm proud of what my community has done today. Uh, it's, I mean, it strikes me as like quite a fun thing to do, surely. Just, you know, it's, it's a fun thing. It's to the do. Parthenon. Honestly, if you go to any Greek uh, sort of uh, archaeological site, it is, you know, it does get you going. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you get your traditional masculine. Uh, I certainly back. do. Um, but no, I, I'm I against... and, and, you know, same with the Romans. I mean, you go around Pompeii, there are all sorts of brothels and pornography on the walls. Yeah. And, you know, all of that stuff is, I, is, is preserved. Yeah. I just want to say I'm against it. I'm, I know and by you are. It, I mean homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd get there eventually, Nick. Your inner bigotry comes out. Uh, Saturday's Telegraph now, and we are all yearning for an answer to this particular question, Nick. Yeah, why modern culture is dying. It's very on brand for me. This is by Chris Harvey, and I'm, I'm crediting him because it's more of a think piece. In the Telegraph, right? Yeah, in the Telegraph. It's a sort of long piece about why our culture is falling apart. And he starts talking about how Paul McCartney's headline in Glastonbury and all movies are just Marvel films and... We even have the same few authors uh, in, in the world of literature and the same few composers. And, and he's sort of saying that you, culture's dead, we can't create anything new, it's all over. 
And I kind of agree to a large extent. I mean, I think we're at a point in the culture where we're, the, the analysis of culture is more interesting. We have things like podcasts and we're sort of endlessly analyzing our culture, but we kind of can't really create anything. And, and if you think about it, when, even when someone like Dave Chappelle or someone comes out with a, a new comedy special, the question is not, is it any good, but should it be banned? So because yeah, yeah. we have the culture war, we can't just talk about art anymore. You know, we probably grew up when it was all about art and it was like, is the movie any good? You had brilliant film eggs like Tarantino and stuff. Now it's much more the culture war and politics seems to have taken over everything. And I think that's where we are. We're, we're just sort of navel-gazing and trying to figure out what's so gone it, wrong with our it, culture. It feels a bit selective, though, some of the examples are giving. I mean, this yeah. article talks about Kate Bush currently being at number one, and this proves that we don't have anything new. But, you know, Harry Styles is at number two. So we and do he, have new stuff. It's just, not, new. it's just not any good, yeah. <laughs> no, this is nonsense in a way. What they're saying is culture on television, culture in the cinema, in the curated cultural spaces is, is dying or dead. Yeah. Yes, it is. And it has been for, I don't know, 20 years. But that's not where you go to find culture. You don't you don't go to the television to find No, it's it's always been pretty lowbrow. It's you know, look at you know, the best comedians are not on television. The best comedians <laughs> present company accepted. How dare you? <laughs> they're in little clubs. You don't know the names of the best comedians. Yes. And and it's the same with the writers, okay, poets. But... And there are filmmakers, there are people doing stuff in different mediums. You mentioned podcasts. There, there, there are new mediums. Culture is very much alive. You just don't find it. In a newspaper. That, that's actually interesting, or in a isn't museum. it? That actually pop popularity in today's culture to me signifies probably mediocrity. If, if I think something's too popular, I just I just avoid it. But are there really these up and coming bands, you know, and and, and, and are there, and can independent films even be made and funded, for example? Yeah, they can. They can. You just won't see them unless you're really interested. This is the thing. Are you interested in culture or are you just a lazy consumer that just goes to the places and just you know, I, I have to be honest, and I hate to feel like an old reactionary or something, but if I do want to read a good novel, I will make sure it was written before I was born. I always do. There I, you you know, know. So there's enough. Me, there's well, enough. You don't need any more novels. There's Michelle there's Robert, enough. but he's the only good one left. No. Well, there's Kazuo Ishiguro, who I love, and Salman Rushdie. Actually, there's a few. Uh, Daily Star now, and one of the perils of big data. Well, the perils of small data, actually, Trevor. <laughs> yes, right. So, uh, USB drive with personal data of entire city on it goes missing. <laughs> so the story is that a chap in Japan um, put the entire data of an entire city on a USB stick, took it home from work, got drunk, wow, uh, passed out in the street and lost his USB stick. How did he get the whole city's information on the one USB stick? Well, because you can do that. Can you? Yeah, this is a very popular thing now. Having data on lots and lots of people, that is the thing. That's, that's the thing that's happening. He's going to get the blame for it for being a wuss who can't handle, handle his beer. Well, fair enough. Sure enough, this wouldn't have happened in this country. But <laughs> the same thing is happening here. There is too much data on USB sticks. Do you fear that, Nick? Well, I'm a bit worried that Japan did this. And they're supposed to be really good at tech. I'd expect to have, like, my mum or someone to lose <laughs> My mum's actually very good with tech. Does she get drunk and lose things? No, it's just that, you know, tech is... Isn't that Japan's thing? No. Is that it's racist? Not, no, it is not Japan's thing. Tech is not Japan's thing. Are you sure? Yes, I've been to Japan. And there's no tech there, baby. There's none. <laughs> there is tech, but there's tech like... Uh, what an outrageous what's claim. What's that thing we used to do? Faxes. They communicate with faxes. I met uh, a guy there. Um, I, I did some shows there in 2019, and the guy came up to me afterwards, and he was from England, and we talked about working in a tech startup in Tokyo, and he said, I've done about... S the, the work that I would have done in six months in England in one and a half years in Tokyo. Really? Well, we're blasting apart some stereotypes tonight. Right. Let's move on. Saturday's Mail once more. And uh, can we start a class war 
right here on Headliners. Nick, can we do that? So so this is a woman has started a heated online debate. Is there any other kind? After questioning (laughs) whether middle class people in the UK are becoming ruder. So inevitably this was on Mumsnet. And someone took to Mumsnet and basically said their friend lives in a very posh, conservative middle class area. She threw the conservative and it was capital C. So it was a direct attack on the conservative party and that she's become more and more rude. And I have to say, I, I don't particularly notice this phenomenon. I notice sort of the opposite, the sort of Crouch Hen fascists who are the sort of woke people who are... Yeah, but they're all middle class. They're, they're nice. all middle class. Exactly. Well, they're all middle class. Yeah, people. but they're not necessarily conservative. They are middle class, I'll give you that. And they're nice to your face, but then they get you sacked. No, but this is, what, this is my point. Like, I think the middle class thing is a very sort of astute observation because most of my Twitter trolls who get angry at me for, you know, defending free speech and stuff, they tend to be posh, upper middle class, woke types, don't they? Trevor? I haven't yeah, seen your Twitter that closely. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think that there's different ways of being rude. You know, there most certainly are. I think we in, the, go back the, to the Parthenon. The be, yes, exactly. The, the best way of being rude. The working classes are the best at being rude. Absolutely. They're more creative. And it's lovely. It's lovely. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just very. It's just so passive aggressive and uncomfortable. You're never sure if a middle class person is actually being rude to you. And why? By the same token, aristocrats are very good at being rude. Oh, Prince they're, Charles. They're brilliant. Noel yeah. Coward. Yeah, yeah. That kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think there's something. If rudeness can be a good art form, if it's done well, yeah. the reason I don't like the sort of middle class troll type rudeness is it's just, it's just base and stupid. Yeah. But in general, it's worth noting that values and manners and standards have declined massively anyway, isn't it? I mean, when I was young, you couldn't have your elbows on the table. In hindsight, that seems relatively minor. Elbows on a table at the dinner, you know, at the dinner. That... That it's, seems... No, it's the height of vulgarity, elbows on the well, table. Well, now our whole culture has basically collapsed. <laughs> Blimey. A uh, bit of a doom-mongering there from Nick. Uh, Saturday's Guardian now. And are we raising a generation of screen addicts? Trevor, are we doing that? Well, we're not, are we? Uh, we I mean, Is that just an alarmist headline? Well, it's an, of course it's an alarmist <laughs> headline. Um, we could do much better than this. Eight, what, 83 minutes a day it went up. That's to, what, it's an hour So and what, there's a primary age children. That's They're nothing. watching 83 minutes a day of screen time? My niece isn't. When, she's, when, when I'm babysitting her, she's watching really? hours and hours on end. So you would say that actually this is quite a, a, a conservative it, estimate? Well, there's not a conservative estimate. People have lied in this. People are ashamed uh. of, of, of how much their children look at screens. They're ashamed yes. of how much they look at screens. And so they lie. Do you think there's something in this? You know, where you've got those uh, phones that tell you how much time you've spent on the phones. Yeah. And they sort of report back to you at the end of the week and invite you to self-flagellate yeah. and change your evil ways. I think that's quite good because you, you're right. You can, you can become absorbed and you forget how long you are living Well, how can you in live without screens? You've got, you've, got, you've got a screen, you've, your phone, you've got the, the television, you've got the iPad. The screens are everywhere. It is like a dystopian nightmare. If you're only doing 83 minutes a day, are you even alive in the 21st century? Very good point. Nick, what do you think? Do you need some time away from well, the screen? Well, it's saying that this, this happened during the pandemic. I'm starting to think this pandemic wasn't all good. And it, it, they, <laughs> what they really mean is lockdown. That's what they're not saying here. I just want to get my little point okay, in there. Let's because they, well, look, let's talk about screen time increasing to, in, in the pandemic. That's not because of, of, of the pandemic. It's because of lockdown. It's because schools were closed and, they, and children had nothing to do. OK, well, let's move on now. Speaking of an addiction to television, the CEO of Netflix has come up with a great idea to wean ourselves off the small screen, Nick. <laughs> yeah, Netflix CEO confirms adverts are coming to streaming service, leaving fans fuming. This is in the mirror. So they've come up with this idea of adverts. I think they should just have four channels and just have a sh- you sh- show a programme once a week, have yes. adverts, call the whole thing TV. It's just an idea. But, yeah, they basically, <laughs> basically Netflix is becoming more and more like normal TV, hilariously. Because it's not, it's, it's, it's losing popularity massively, isn't it? Well, because it? it's go woke, go broke. We all know Netflix was too woke. It started to lose popularity. They've tried to rescue it a bit now, saying, 
oh, you can't be mean to Chappelle and things like that. But basically, they've gone woke and they've gone broke. Yeah, yeah but they've, they've, they've gone back price. on that, haven't they? Because they've, they suddenly fired loads of people in the diversity section of Netflix. And you had the CEO saying, if you don't like a comedy show or a show on the channel, just leave. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They've said that now as a kind of... Slight, oh, they're trying to backpedal. Yes, backpedal okay. slightly from their wokeness, okay. yes, and saying you have to like Chappelle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But their shares have gone for, uh, to $180 from 602 per share at the end of 2021. So, yes, they're, they're tanking. They're desperate. And if you really look into what they're doing, though, it, it's an ad option. So you can have a right. cheaper... It's an ad tier, they're calling it. You can basically have a cheap version where you're forced to watch adverts, but you don't pay as much. I see. That's all it really is if you look into it. But it's not... I mean, Amazing. does anyone use their own password anyway and their own subscription? Because everyone just keeps sharing them Well, around, they stopped you they? doing that, didn't they? They stopped oh, you. Oh, did they? Yeah, okay. they cracked down on that. And well, I, I mean, I, I've, I haven't watched Netflix for so long, but just because precisely that point you raised is that I was getting really sick of being preached at. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know? Netflix is basically one big advert for globalisation, blank slate theory. It's, it, it's, it's just telling you didactically what to believe and what is right and what is wrong and what is up and what is down, and that is... Awful. But what's weird is it doesn't work. I mean, they, well, they should have worked work. out by now that people yeah. actually, they just turn off. Yeah. And that's why they're losing all their yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. They got lucky with a lockdown or a couple of lockdowns. That's, that's, what, that's what it was. They got lucky with Tiger King. That saved them temporarily. Well, it did. Tiger King did. I mean, that, yeah. particularly during the lockdown, everyone was watching it. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair enough. Saturday sun now. And it turns out that 30% of the UK population just do not respect bees. Yeah. Trevor, what's this about? Well, so uh, the sun's headline is three in ten Brits. Three in ten Brits have no idea why bees are important to the environment. I like that you do that sort of crass accent. That's yeah, sort of yeah like, that's how they bees know speak. That's, that's how bees that's, speak. That's how bees speak. If they know it, it is a problem, crucially. They know they are important, but not why. Why are bees important, Trevor? Well, do you know what? 30% of bees don't even know why they're important. <laughs> so therefore, why should we take an interest? Right, exactly. So they do this thing called pollinating. You know, they go... They go oh, yeah, yeah, the thing they, with the flowers. And the, yeah, and the, and the pollen and that sort of stuff. I don't think, you know, people want people to know about bees. Yeah. Because people don't want people to know what the people are doing to the people. You're getting so, very cryptic now, Charlie. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, Mr Bean, or is he Mr B? Rowan Atkinson has got uh, a series to plug about bees. About bees, and that's what this is about. Man versus bee. Uh, you know, I have a problem with bees because I was chased recently by a bee right. and it collided with my head a number of times and apparently when they do that, they're signalling to you, they're saying, get out of here because there's going to be a swarm in a minute. Okay. They don't do it by accident. Okay. And uh, I couldn't shake it off. For miles and miles, I couldn't shake the bee off. And so I now hate bees and I want them to perish. Well, you're a bit like uh, Amber Heard, who famous, whose dog stepped on a bee, which caused a great swarm. I'm very much like Amber Heard. Remember the meme, my dog stepped on a bee... There was a big I haven't seen yeah. that meme, oh, Nick, okay. but I feel like you're undermining my trauma no, no, by, well, by I'm misdirecting onto Amber Heard. You're the same as Amber Heard in many, many ways. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I, right. Listen, let's, we've got to move on, okay. unfortunately, because I do want to get this last story in. And this is Saturday's Metro, and the microscopic world has migrated into the macroscopic, Nick. Yeah, Mount of Everest, Mount Everest sorry, of bacteria has been discovered, and it's an absolute unit. So a gigantic bacteria 5,000 times bigger than normal has been found lurking in the swamps of Guadalupe. How big is but, that? Well, it's still only a centimetre long. So let's just... Let's you, have a look. Can we have a look at the picture? There, there it is. I can't really make out what that is or why it's... Is that the squiggly thing? Is that the bacteria, the squiggly It's a great thing? tactic for men. Just phrase things. Just say, look, it's thousands of times bigger than a normal... A and that's normal a dime. One. That's a dime that to show the, the measurement of the... Exactly. That's a big bacteria. It's a fat bacteria. Well, here's the fun bit for you, Andrew. To put it into context, it would be like a human encountering another human as tall as Mount Everest. I mean, that would be pretty frightening. That would be a pretty hench human, a big, big, right. early human. So as bacteria go, it's only one centimetre. 
But that's bacteria. What is the gold. significance of this? Why should we be worried about a... Well, we shouldn't be worried about it. Clearly, the guys just looked down the wrong end of the microscope. <laughs> um, but what's... It's good that, that you can see a bacteria. Before, we couldn't see them. They were invisible. They should breathe. They should cross this bacteria with a COVID, and then we'd be able to see the COVIDs, and we could just blow them away from yeah. each other. Well, then the masks would work because they would be so big. There you go. We could catch them in nets. I have to say, I'm not I'm up on my science at all. I mean, this kind of thing, it just, I would have thought the bacteria were probably around that size anyway. I don't know, really. No, no they're much smaller. And I'm just it, looking through trying to find out if it can kill us all, but it's not clear yet. Oh, Elon no, Musk no, is working no, on it. The, back, the, the world is full of bacteria, and most of them are benign or have nothing to do with us. Yes, but you hadn't met these big meaty bacteria before, and you don't know what well, they are. These are the Mount Everest of bacteria. You see, I'm scared of AI, and I'm scared of massive bacteria. Yeah, so I just think that's what they want you to be. Yeah, well, I think there's a lesson for us all there. I don't know quite what it is, but I think if I think about it, it will, it will come to us eventually. Uh, thanks very much for joining us for Headliners. Farewell. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.